That's all. I hope you're, we're keeping all of that. But um, in any case, um, hello, dear listener. We're back. It's The Future Is Out. It's a podcast where we talk about the future and how it was supposed to be good, but it's bad instead. And uh, we're, we're back. And we have a, a, a genuinely special episode here tonight. Because a l- one that's a long time coming, honestly. A long time coming. Your train is going to come. And today <laughs> our train been, came all over us. We have been talking about it for, for a long time. And yeah, I'm, who, I'm, and who is, who is this disconnected voice? That who we are these dulcet, <laughs> what are these dulcet tones that you're hearing? Yeah, you Sultry know. voice. Yeah, um, you know, Beyond it's, the ether. It's, it's dear friend of the pod, JJ Nozell. Uh, JJ, uh, what's up, man? How's it going? I'm good. I'm a bit tired. Been been a long weekend. Uh, already a long week. It's only what Wednesday. It's only Wednesday. Wednesday. Is it Wednesday? It's yeah, Wednesday. it's Wednesday. It's only three p.m. on it's Wednesday. Bad. Um, and uh, I guess you know we didn't really talk about introductions, but uh, I mean you can introduce yourself perhaps, but maybe I'll introduce you first. Uh, I'm and curious. Then you to can hear introduce this. yourself after which Matt can introduce you. And then you can introduce Mac, having introduced you. And then Billy. And then we'll let we'll let the the reader decide or listener decide what the truth is. Yeah, yeah. It is like an unreliable narrator in a in a in a Agatha Christie novel or something. <laughs> um, okay, so we have JJ on. JJ is a music industry professional in MIP, as they, he will hear two four B referred to. A MIP. Uh, he is uh, an insider. He's not necessarily being admitted to the Adrenochrome orgies, but he is. <laughs> He is allowed outside. He's manning the gates and the doors. Um, and yeah, he works at a record label. Well, you know, yeah, this feels weird, JJ. Tell us about you briefly insofar as why our, our fucking... Uh, why why I'm here tonight? Yeah, why are you here? Why am I, just in general? Why? Yeah, just answer the question, why? <laughs> just explain yourself in general. Yeah, my name is uh, JJ Nazel. Hello. Uh, Jean-Jacques is the... Yeah. Jean-Jacques, exactly. Um, I am the label manager at Bastard Jazz and Wonder Wheel Recordings, which are two small to medium-sized Brooklyn-based indie record labels. Uh, Bastard Jazz, sort of a mix of genres, hip-hop, uh, dance music, like contemporary, soul funk, some house um, and then Wonder Wheel is more sort of global dance music, uh, a lot of Latin American artists, European, African, um, sort of the world over. Yeah, not to be confused with globalist dance music, which is the it is not it is, it is not David, imperialist. Uh, DJ DJ D Saul David Solomon, uh, uh, the Goldman Sachs banger. Um, different thing, different thing. Um, okay, nice. I I appreciate that, Mac. You do too. Although uh, I've not been so good about that about that lately. 
JJ, yeah, it's true. JJ is the the naked cowboy in Times Square. Um, That's true. That's how I moonlight. Blow him up, but that, if you've seen him, you've seen JJ at his at his creative uh, zenith. Um, so yeah, I've I've known these two boys for what is it now? Eight years, something like that. Long time. Um, and I've been a fan of the podcast, of course, support the homies. And we've talked about this for a long time and I'm very glad to be here. We're glad you're here, man. And we're going to talk about like, I guess the futury, uh, the crunchy and unfortunate and weird aspects of, uh, of, of, you know, tech and, and the rest on music, that ancient art form um with you before too long but maybe we'll we'll do our regular top of the show rundown um as as a as a um yeah as a little amuse bouche and uh jj you know feel free to you know you know i'll pop in when i can i am a a music industry specifically professional so i don't know uh (laughs) How much I can offer. You're going you're gonna to feel pretty out of your depth. Today. <laughs> if there's any words that we say and you don't know what they mean, we can pause. I'll raise my hand. Yeah, just raise your hand. Well, I'll, I'll explain them to you. Um, of course, man. So let's uh, let's jump in, Mac. What yeah. do you say? And yeah, Jage. Uh, shall we start with, uh, I guess, something we w- was a large part of last week's episode, um, which was the sale of the uh, social media platform Twitter to the uh, Emerald air uh <laughs> twitter I, I i'm, I'm not familiar all right all right okay turn his mic off turn his mic off. i knew this wasn't gonna work it's a fucking mistake no um uh yes yes twitter you know twitter it's twitter and elon musk is gonna buy it but uh it looks like now he might not um yeah, the story so continues <laughs> which which he he will have to pay a, a billion in fine yeah, essentially, yeah. if the deal doesn't go through, plus all of the like lawyer fees and everything, which I'm sure will be right. But you know, it's just like he what he pays is like such a nebulous thing to begin with. You know, when there's so many financial instruments and pass-throughs and stuff at play. I mean, the irony is that yeah. he's not even buying it with his own money. Of course Some not. Of He's leveraging money, a lot of yeah. Tesla stock originally to do. Yeah, no, it, a little bit of his own money. But let's before we get ahead of ourselves. Let's so basically for those who have not been paying attention and and maybe have like lives and loved ones. Yeah. Uh, God bless Save you. What what's happening is that Elon Musk, the Tesla guy, head of Tesla and and SpaceX and these other ventures. Uh, very splashly announced that he was going to buy Twitter, the major social media platform, for forty-four billion dollars, and then began some of the uh, you know financial uh, movements uh, that would be required. A lot of people expressed skepticism. Um, now it turns out that he's put the the purchase. Uh, this is, I mean, specifically according to an AP story from last week, but uh, widely reported that he's put the purchase on hold on hold quote because he wants to quote pinpoint the number of spam and fake accounts on yeah. twitter before going ahead with the scale with the sale rather implying that twitter was underreporting. so he was saying oh you know looking the gift horse in the mouth and yeah. saying oh this isn't quite what i uh what i what i signed up for which you know i think there's been broad uh 
consensus, I mean, maybe not broad consensus, but at least a, a substantial rumbling among people who cover this type of thing that like this just reeks of bullshit. Like this reeks of just, I mean, it seems like an easy, an easy yeah. way out. Well, it's uh, yeah. I mean, there's one thing is that like a lot of people point this out, but you can't, like putting it on hold. Isn't a thing like that's not really a <laughs> yeah. thing at all. Like he can either not do it or he does it. Um, but two, it's like with the, with the bot thing, like pr- I think it's pretty well assumed that that five percent figure that Twitter blows throws around, like it, it's definitely underreported, like for sure. But that's been known for everyone who's like paying attention for Come a on, long yeah. time. And if he if he even was suggesting buying it, it's like obviously he he's he's a wit. I've heard that like. So one of the top followed Twitter accounts, right? And well, that's there was a report that came out two days ago that showed that like w- they were saying that there was a lot more bots on Twitter, but it was also saying that like some a huge percent of his followers were bots too, which that's makes total cool. sense. Um, but I, you know, this is what a, a point someone was making. But to what you were saying, JJ, about the one billion dollar kind of escape hatch that he has, uh, it's pretty. It's it's you can make the case that like. Musk knew going in that this would be a thing, right? That, and you know, there's people making the argument that this is a way to sort of uh, have a way out, like from the very beginning. Like when he made the deal, it's like talking to your lawyers or whatever. It's like, what's the one thing that like you can sort of pull on? That's like, oh, if this gets like too murky, if the Tesla stock goes down, which it is, how can you get the fuck out? And like this is one example of it. It's the the billion dollar. Uh charge is meant to be like a deterrent right from pulling out which for someone worth whatever he is 250 no two over 200 or at least he was maybe maybe before yeah it doesn't matter it's like you sell a, a few shares obviously that's not liquid cash but like you sell a few shares and whatever and who knows even like how these penalties are actually exacted or enacted like you know all given that so much of the deal is being backed by like goldman and other yeah all of this stuff is so slippery and i guess just to just to drive home a little bit like you know what people are saying about this like um pulling from uh an article in the ap there was a, a, a quote from a a professor of business journalism, a Sarah Silver at Quinnipiac, a home of the famous Quinnipiac poll at Quinnipiac University, um, who said to claim that this is the reason that he's pulling the deal, putting the deal on pause. That is that the bot question. It's not credible. Silver said, this is not a new issue. It's not just entering his consciousness now. And this has also been like reflected on sort of on the street, um, pulling from the Financial Times, which is the fucking, uh, the rag your, your of the, favorite, uh, my favorite, my absolute favorite. This is like, uh, you know, New York Times is like is like the chum for the suckers. The Financial Times is like what the actual. Were you, you know, bummed about how many how how many NYT articles I I referenced? No, I mean I do always. You know, I I read I read I'm a I'm a sucker and I eat the chum man. I go I gobble it up like a big dumb idiot. But I try to I like to I like to, I try to read the the pink pages of the uh, of the elite uh, whenever I can. But anyway, Financial Times, who we've been referencing. Uh, reported the following, which is that this was la- just last week, maybe three or four days ago, as of uh, 
May 18th. Uh, Twitter now trades at a 26% discount to the $54.20 per share price Musk agreed to pay in mid-April, signaling that investors do not believe a deal will happen anywhere near the price and possibly not at all. Um, so like you can kind of like you can sort of separate the wheat from the chaff in terms of like what people what people are actually valuing the company at and like where the sort of hard numbers uh, come to rest. And I think it looks despite the fact that, you know, Elon Musk said that he's, quote, still committed to acquisition. I think people have, are like who are already skeptical. I've been basically like, you know. I mean, they, it was also called the bluff already and said, "Fuck this! This isn't happening." Below, it was already trading below what he offered. Yeah. Well, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think there's like you know, the idea of putting on pause is maybe he can like get it for a cheaper price that reflects right. what it is. But like, th- like the CEO of Twitter now has come out like pretty solidly and said right. they're not going to budge on that number. Parag Parag Agrawal yeah, or something. Ar- Ar- yeah. Um, and who knows if that happens, but it, it, there's a, like, well, it's like, th- yeah, you look at the Dow, you, you know, you're, you're counting every coin in the dowry and then the wife is not going to want to, you know, well, also I, it's offensive. Twitter, Twitter has never been profitable. They've been like profitable for a couple years, I think, but like, yeah, really I don't think it's like an Uber that's never been profitable, yeah, but they have. they're not like a, they're, they're not a fucking gangbuster it's a bad business for sure. Yeah. And I think that that's like part of the thing is like, I mean, it's clear well, that, that he's like starting to see one, that it's a bad business, but two, it's like well, probably more of a pain in the ass. Okay. I thought that like that was part of his, his shtick though, was that he was going to come in and, and make Twitter profitable. Yeah. But, but he just says like, it's with all the other stuff he says, it's so pie in the sky. Like he said that he was going to make he's it a bullshit private. Artist, and then man. he was I mean, like, we're going to make it 50% of the like revenue is coming from subscriptions, which that sounds cool. But like, there's no fucking, yeah. he is no, he gives no like actual explanation. Dude, of what he, he wants to do. same thing. Like the cyber truck will arrive right. in 2020. He's the ultimate fucking capper, man. He's the capper <laughs> in chief. Like, it's like you know we have we have differing op- opinions about you. which is fine but like you have to acknowledge that like there is a lot of stuff that he said that he clearly like makes big splashy announcements for and then never follows through on and clearly never had any I mean, intention he's a, to he's a marketing you know sort of con artist in that way but he does usually eventually follow through and he has done know, some I mean, somewhat debatable regardless what you think of him personally he has done some just incredible things just if you think about creating a car company that is competing with these institutional you know century old yeah, I think that's more a function of like the will of like the absolute dearth in like the paucity of of places for like venture capital firms and otherwise other other such you know uh, actors to park money in something that looks and that looks attractive. Like I'm not talking about the overvaluation, which I no, I know, but I'm saying like Tesla is like. Well, yes, they are, but Our my point is just that, like, about this sort of stuff. But yeah, I mean, I mean, really, me neither. But I do think Tesla does seem to be an overvalued company. There's like a re- a ton of plagued by 
technical problems and all the rest. And yeah, they do build cars and they have cars that are on the road, but like, um, I don't know. They are wildly successful for a I, company that is started yeah, that was started like, 15 or like, yeah 15 um, years ago yeah but because they have like money to burn i mean i don't know i would i would like cut the difference and this is where joe and i have landed on the mustang in the past where i like i grant that it's like i it's not all pie in this guy for me because he there are rockets going up there are like uh, yeah, cars going this guy but rocket company which but you know, right. again, yeah, but, if you have, yeah. it, but to split the difference, though, it's like there's a lot of bullshit and uh, some of it comes through. But I think in the Twitter case, this is a case where it's it's really hard to see how you can make that actually work, because like at least with the Tesla and the SpaceX stuff, like you bullshit a lot. But then he eventually follows through. I think what you're mm-hmm. seeing with this is that like fucking running a social media company, unless you're a monopoly like Facebook is fucking hard. The content moderation thing is hard, and like they can't really make good money. It's not like Facebook is has proven that, uh, you know, successfully either. Right. So I think it's just like I, it, it's the it's that this is an unwinnable type of thing, and like he seems like he just well, wants an out. But I just think you have to also look at like why would he do something like this? Like, what is the end game? Unless you think he's just like a moron <laughs> who is just like backing out, like tripping over his there's own dick. definitely a lot of ego egotism yeah i think there is toy. but i don't think he's, he's like so toy. stupid as to just like do this and then like back out one the moment it seems he realizes it's gonna be difficult and just go oop oopsie daisy whoopsie doopsie like i think there's more to it than that and yeah. i honestly think it's because he is a he's a he's a genuine charlatan on like a really large scale um and not not a complete moron um, but you know, yeah, there's plenty of plenty of axes of uh, of disagreement and in uh, debate on that question. But you know, making my my own position clear, Elon Musk, that's cap, that's big time cap. Um, but I know I know not everyone agrees. No, no, okay, yeah, let's let's move on. Yeah, yeah let's move on. Um, so. Uh, Twitter remains free. Twitter remains a free city. And uh, that being said, in a related, uh, I guess, bit of news, um, you know, call Jane Goodall because the apes are being slaughtered. Uh, what am I talking about? The NFT market is collapsing. This is according to a Fortune article. God forbid. From March, uh, actually from all the way back in March 4th, um, but this is absolutely accelerated substantially. Yeah, it's still um, a thing as of recording for yeah, sure. Yeah, as of recording some two months later. Um, just to quote some statistics, uh, the sale of NFTs, which NFTs you may recall, dear listener, are... Non-fuckable trolls. Non- <laughs> yeah, are, are, are non-fuckable... Uh, uh, well, yes, like Max said. Um <laughs> Non-fungible tokens have declined in sales 92% from their peak of $225,000 a day and sorry, 225,000 transactions a day in September. So that's that's by it's by volume, not not by sort of gross revenue. 
Yes, not has nothing to do with revenue per se, but it's just the number of people who are in transacting on these NFT exchanges like OpenSea and others. And you've probably maybe seen the fucking the 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 monkey drawings. Yeah. Board ape. The board apes, yeah, which are selling for millions of dollars or at least were at some point and all of the celebrities were like getting in to juice this thing which now honestly seems very sinister because clearly these celebs like jimmy fallon and and paris hilton and everyone name you name them were like oh it's the cool thing my ape like oh i just got an ape check it out and like clearly juicing yeah average joes to like buy apes that have now <laughs> collapsed in value like these apes are being <laughs> euthanized like it's like when they there was a story come to 2022 guys <laughs> it's like when like a, a a strain of h1n1 breaks out at like a poultry factory in indiana and then they just have to like do a, a genocide of like millions of of chickens it's essentially this is what's happening with with uh and with digital apes board apes are like (laughs) wait they're like (laughs) they're like trying to trade their their pipes and monocles for a ticket out of the uh yeah of the of the metaverse but guess it's, what it's just hell metaverse though hell mode is hell mode is is in full effect but okay i have i have quite a bit more to say yeah we we this is a lot to talk about but the basically cryptocurrency too like the price of bitcoin has absolutely fucking cratered last seven days like this was the first time that i was like because you know the last couple years especially when i first read about bitcoin i mean everyone has this exact same story but i was like probably 14 and i was reading about it when bitcoin first became a thing and, you know, I could be a multi-millionaire, multi-billionaire, if, obviously, if I had bought it at the time. But I've never held any crypto. But I was very close to buying recently, like, a month or two ago. And now I'm like, Phew. Hey, maybe, 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 though, now's the time. You know? To buy, buy yeah. the dip, like yeah. the nation of El dip. Salvador, <laughs> who are totally democratically choosing to do this, and they're not just being having their futures destroyed by a <laughs> megalomaniac uh, millennial. Yeah, exactly. Well, a couple threads there, but yeah, just to, to, some... to, to go pick a road to go yeah, down. Mac, so, like the just as a context, it is like the uh, it's a historic crash right now. I don't know if it's the largest crash ever, but it it's, is yeah. huge, and it's affected it like all of the coins most of the coins, i mean bitcoin is at about 50 percent of the value that it was like just seven days ago well no not quite that that at least for now but a couple months ago it was at its height of sixty thousand, sixty thousand per bitcoin and now it's like hovering around 30 yeah but it wasn't quite that high in the past couple months but yeah, it's collapsed dramatically, as have all these other coins. And some also these about. these quote unquote stable coins. Yes, JJ, right. very exactly. Um, Maybe explain you. what a stable coin is real quick. For so yeah, peeps. Yeah, if 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 I may. <laughs> so basically, Terra and Luna, which are like two sister coins that were stable coins, basically they use various like. Um, mechanisms and means to remain have have their value remain consistently pegged like very closely to that of the u.s dollar Um, are are they 
this is something that I, I haven't really fully grasped. Are they sort of connected in in some way to the to the USD or like how does that how does that work? They're not. They either, just you know. they just use like basically the coins themselves do they like they do certain things to re- such that their value is remains consistent with the value of one US dollar such as selling off large quantities of the existing coin to drive up the value to make it more scarce within within its own like mechanics yes so basically this is one of the things that's that's actually at issue which is just like well what they claim to be backed by hard assets so like they claim to be backed by like United States government paper or U.S. government or like long-term bonds, things that are considered like really stable and reliable. Um, the, the degree to which that's the case is is actually deeply in question. But which is also sort of funny because that's yeah they're they're backed by fiat yeah which is what the Fed is. So it they are a version of the yeah they're essentially like they're like narcs you know if like they're like a narc for the the fiat paper system that exists in the crypto space because it's centralized decentralized well because it's very it's very useful if you're trading and you're doing a lot of trading in cryptocurrency to have money and be able to park it in something stable the price of which is not fluctuating and not have to put it extract it from the cryptocurrency market entirely into actual usd and then plug it back in because you know transferring from like an actual fee a fiat bank to you know coinbase or whatever the fuck takes time and like there are transaction fees associated so instead like you can just put it straight into a, a what is a cryptocurrency but it is meant to be and guaranteed to be quote unquote yeah a, a, a simulacrum of the u.s dollar however uh you know Everybody went sprawling on their asses recently because one coin in particular that was really big, uh, Terra, and then it's like a sister coin, Luna, the difference of which I'm not really too keen on or up on, but it doesn't really matter, basically detracked, like it depegged from the dollar substantially, which caused a run on the coin. People were trying to make, everyone who had money in the coin was trying to liquidate it i.e. just turn it back into fiat money funny how they always go running to fiat you know um yeah this is very similar thing of like you know run on the banks uh which causes the value to collapse and basically you know i think it was terra or maybe luna but basically people saw who had hundreds of thousands of dollars in this a lot of people saw that just evaporate like turn to four percent overnight of what they had had and like I think it's safe to say like people definitely were like if you grew on like the subreddits and and so on people were like I'm going to kill myself cuz <laughs> like there's no way out. It's like the the Robin it's like the Robin Hood um thing. It's like the the one guy who who bought um GameStop at like its highest price and then it crashed. Yeah. Who I mean, I don't know if it was specifically that one person, but I believe a couple people. A lot of people, I think, got caught up in this. So, but basically, the the upshot is that um, the number of people who are trading in NFTs has absolutely evaporated. It's gone down like ninety percent, which I think 
my opinion here is that like this was always sort of a fake pump and dump type of market. This has never had legs to be like the new thing. I mean, Mac, you told me what an NFT was many, many months ago on this podcast. I remember we were like, oh, well, this is kind of cool. Like if it's like a way to like have like artists, you know, actually like have a way to get paid more for their work, then like that's cool. Turns out it's like, I think I have it somewhere in our notes here, but like the overwhelming majority of NFTs are not of established artists. Mm. It's just these drawings of monkeys that are like clearly just repositories from. I I don't know about that. I've no, it's, as as someone who some are, but the 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 majority are not. I mean, I I don't I couldn't speak to any statistic, but the what's interesting about NFTs is the underlying technology. And I think, I think what happened was there's there was this craze, this just feeding frenzy, of as soon as people, as soon as it sort of became a thing, everyone wanted a piece of it, and that's how you get people, you know, someone buying it for whatever it was, sixty million dollars. Yeah. Was just, but did everyone want a part of it before? Like every celebrity was like, "Oh my my board ape!" I feel like there was a weird pump like thing where like celebrities were clearly induced to like get on the ape train and like market it to the little people. I don't know if and it's then, that like, uh, I think I think it's it. fairly sin. I think it's fairly sinister. Is my my? I don't. I don't come on. What you think it was like planned out like this? No, it's just a clear thing where it's just like this is a way that but because it got popular and who has money to spend on a uh, on a fucking bored ape image? It's well, clearly a lot of people who didn't did, and now they're in deep trouble. I Go think, ahead, Mac. Yeah, I was just saying to what you were saying that I think even if you take the speculative nature of it, which is kind of what the bored ape thing that we're talking about here is, all that can go with the underlying technology of like uh, just how NFTs work doesn't cease to exist and it's still there are a lot of there are a lot of people using that for non-speculative means like not just for like tokens to bid on it's like underlying technology exactly, for a lot which of these stuff. i'm gonna talk and i'm gonna i'm gonna talk more about this later the, yeah we'll, we'll probably talk about it in a second but it's just like that you can like you can an nft can be used to authenticate something without ever having really it's essentially a, an like, item can, on a it, it's an authenticated it item on a on the blockchain that's what a, an NFT is. Yeah, I mean, people are using it for like security. People use it. There's a lot of different reasons that people are using it, but this particular aspect of it, which is like the speculative nature, is like. But that yeah, is the like, lion's share of its application. No, I mean, I don't. Think I you... no, no, I don't think so. I think, I think, I think there's a lot of behind the scenes. Um, what are people using NFTs for other than like moving money around and? I think it's like for building new types of websites and new types of like. What are these new types of websites and experiences? I mean, the, look, I am not a Web three expert, but right. Again, but I think that's I, what it's what it's for. Is it's a it's primarily like a financial instrument. I mean, this is seems to be my, how it's being used. Like for sure, right, that's right what I'm now. saying. But authenticity instrument. It's a it's a trust instrument beyond 
beyond a, a financial instrument. Yeah, but there's been plenty of things like we've talked on this podcast before about people who've had these NFT rug pulls of right. people who are like kicking a lot of money and then the person in charge of their apes just goes AWOL, you know? Right, but I think these are like the headline grabbing things because like whatever, oh, yeah. like Post Malone will buy a, a fucking board ape for $5 million and make it his Twitter profile picture and like those those are the things that grab headlines but the underlying technology is what is the technology other than just like stamping files with i understand it which again i am not by no means an expert so do not take my word on this um as i understand it it is essentially as you said stamping it it's authenticating an asset, an item within the blockchain. Right, but what what value does that like, add to example, anything, example, really? Like as examples, people. Well, use this it's for, like, it's the like, value of like for... we're sitting here and we can see Max guitar, right? And we could take a picture of that, and I understand that. But like, what does that do times. other than like create out of but, whole cloths a a, a, like, a piece of ex- value? Yeah, like it doesn't actually have a like, examples of what they're doing. An application like, it's that's on, but, like, useful. Like shipping uses it right for like having secure ways to track uh, items. Like that's something that's being done. There's also like people have talked How? about like the way know. that you could create like a social media authentication trust is like that's the big thing. It's no, it it's, it's basically. It's taking the the internet, which is a, a it's an it's a ephemeral, right? It's like it's a it's a non physical thing, and it's making it unique. It's an information superhighway. That's what it really is. Um, maybe maybe we can talk more about it when we talk about it in the next yeah. segment, just because there'll be yeah. some space to go I'm into. I'm deeply it. skeptical, but um, but on the on the before we move on, just on the uh, the cryptocurrency side of it uh it's where we kind of alluded to it, but we've talked a lot about the el salvador um yes. shit uh, do you want to say what's going on as sure. our resident el salvadoreño <laughs> not, not resident Dorian. yeah we know yeah in the blood but no this was a couple months ago we said they had made they were the first country to make it illegal tender um and did they make it exclusively no it's no. not exclusive yeah but they do have like uh you it's, it's yeah, good. Well, no, I was just saying, like, and like, there's been. It's not really worked out, at least in the way that it was pitched. Like, yeah, you can. Not, it was. It was made the deal that you can use Bitcoin to settle debts, public and private, as you once could. Uh, I think El Salvador's currency was pegged to the dollar, yeah. and they essentially used dollars. You could now use that, and there was a lot of stories about how you know they gave people you know the equivalent of like 50 bucks in a wallet and a lot of people use that 50 bucks to buy shit and then just like never touch their wallet again and i think most people just like didn't engage with it and continued living their lives as normal but they did essentially why would they why yeah i mean a very very good question but they made it the case it was the first country i think i think in the world to use to say like i guess you could like do official government or private private or public business using bitcoins and they obviously 
yeah they went a lot hard of problems like, inherent in that even even like as far as like they're trying to build like a bitcoin city it's like based around a volcano it's like some neon um, yeah dude i i was reading about that recently it's, it's pretty, pretty it's pretty that's pretty cap crazy it's, it is i mean wh- like where's that money coming uh, yeah. from also okay, so, like <laughs> as, we, as we just said bitcoin's seen like a historic crash and so uh pretty much all the value that el salvador's put into well they they put a lot of their national wealth like over a hundred million dollars into it and it's lost it's worth half of its value not a lot of its national wealth no it is it's a very poor country (laughs) i mean i think they've put a substantial amount of their (laughs) i thought it was something like 40 or 50 percent of their of their like sovereign well that's a that's a humongous amount of of money yeah yeah so and just to see it crater in value, yeah, I mean, no, it's, exactly. it's really exactly. chilling I feel like and horrible. It was, it was more than a hundred million. Though. Well, yeah, regardless of how much it was, it, it's halved at least since that. And as Jonah was saying, uh, Bukele, you know, our favorite president, Their millennial, said that he's going like, yeah. to buy the dip <laughs> of a uh, crypto bro. Yeah. So he's buying the dip. They're he buying says. the dip. And uh, you know, to what you're saying, do people actually use this? They there was an actual study that came out recently with hard data, and it was something I think it was less than fifteen. They really don't. Of yeah. people use it. Fifteen percent of the public actually like uses regularly it. use it. Um. So yeah, and, and then, the one one of the main things I remember seeing in and I think the article that we're both referencing is that one of the big things that I remember being like cautiously optimistic for is like oh it'll help with remittances because there's a lot of el salvadorians who are elsewhere who send money back it's not being used for that at all no one's using it for remittances yeah Um, because it's an insanely volatile asset it's just like that was something that came up with with ukraine was that was supposedly one of the few ways that you could get money to ukrainians in need back in the early days of, of the war. Interesting. I just don't know why, like, money... I feel like... I mean, as is merited... I mean, as is sort of shown by, like, the massive amount of media that's coming out of Ukraine, like, still internet. Like, I feel like wire transfers are still still a thing. And, like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's true. It's, like, in these sort of, like, sort of brutal contexts, like Ukraine or, like where there's general breakdown, like it doesn't make sense to want to have something that is not in dependent on these on banks say that are usually. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I just feel like that, that type of like thing, uh, the need has failed to materialize over and over again because like whatever those institutions, whatever their failings are, it's like they do provide some security and, and, and dependability that people want and, and will opt for in lieu of, just some insane asset that that fluctuates and loses half its value on the basis of a tweet from Elon Musk, you know? Yeah. I mean, what I would push back against a little bit is, you know, there were similar reactions to, like, the internet in general, right, in the no, late 80s. All that the internet is a passing fad, and it will pass. <laughs> I never said it was going to pass right away, but it's, <laughs> I hope so. It's on its way out. No, of course, but like I think you have to look at like the fundamental, like the the fundamental change in that the internet uh, augured is very different from. 
But what? I think I think that oh, is crypto shit. I think that is what we're we will see. It's just so much of this is backbone, and it's 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 in the. It's in the it's in the background though. It's 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 being used by banks. It's being used by major tech companies. That is hundred percent true. I can't I can't I can't pull up an article right now to cite. But listeners, you asked for a crypto believer, and we got you one. We got one, man. <laughs> we got you one. Yeah, we we gave JJ. A, we we, we actually found JJ on the street. I gave him a big shine, a big Bitcoin. <laughs> That I, got as I said, I do not own any cryptocurrency, but I I I, I think I, that I, where we're going, I'm the skeptic, and I do own cryptocurrency, <laughs> and it's lost a lot, a substantial amount of its value. <laughs> I lost um, twenty grand. I, today, I, I, but. I, I hear what you're saying, JJ, about the stuff in the background, but I think it, just to put a bow on it is like in in right now where we're at. Just to put a ball gag on it. Put, yeah, just put, put a, a bow on it. Max Max real name is Bow. Ah. Oh, bloop, 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 bloop. That is actually sprinkle those fun. in there for now and then. Put a bow um, on it. Put a no, B-A-O-U-X like, on it. Where we're at right now, so El Salvador is one of the poorest countries on earth. Well, not as much anymore. They just need to buy the dip. They just need to buy the dip. So all that this has really inspired is that there is another country now that's following El Salvador's move. Can you guys guess? Uh, is. Uh, is it the Central African Republic? It is the no. Central African Republic. One of the, one Are of you the, serious? One of the serious? only other countries in the world <laughs> with, rising, I with rise and grind this. mindset. Central African Republic with... With yes, like they're doing than, the same thing. It's honestly sad and really internet. unfortunate. They have Bitcoin as a legal tender now. <laughs> Doesn't that just <laughs> one of the like most unstable governments? Yeah, on it's the a plat- deeply war rent. Uh, <laughs> it's like barely a state. <laughs> well, yes, hey, it's a place not, that not only have Bitcoin. Dude. No, it's <laughs> fucked up though because I think it shows you the the degree to which Bitcoin is just like the precursor and the augury of like. Yeah, Western financial and uh, diplomatic tomfoolery and fucking intervention and and chicanery and bad shit. Like it's just like another. It's just a way for these like, le- you know, uh, private institutions to go in and like do their rape and pillage. You know, um, like nothing good is. I know nothing about uh, car as I used to call it when I was a kid. Well, C A R. I mean, it's just like a deeply, deeply troubled and war-torn country and like the presence of cryptocurrency is clearly just like profiteering like yeah i think there's there's been to 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 give to give the the bitcoin folks their their due one of the original they need it now the original like uh idealistic use cases of it is like for countries like that who are maybe disconnected from these systems but the problem is, again, I just said it. Not. No one has internet, like, like in the country. Or it's like the whole, the whole idea of like leapfrogging. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, we've talked about that on the podcast before about how like third world countries, for example, just leapfrogged phone or like the landline. They have mobile phones and stuff. In Africa, yeah. that was that's been a big thing, where mobile payments is right. is I believe one of the primary means of uh, transferring money right but i think that's a a key thing was like people transfer digital money and this that and the other way but like cryptocurrency need not be part of it and i honestly think the degree to which it's involved is the degree to which it's just 
neo-colonialism, like people dipping in to try to fucking juice these assets and get people. I I don't know. I mean, perhaps I, as I said, I know, I know nothing about what's happening in, in Central African Republic, but I think we are moving. Guatemala, or rather, sorry, El Salvador will tell you. We're moving, but we're moving to a, a place where all of, global finance will be based on on the blockchain no we're not moving to that place i i really disagree a hundred percent global finance is going to stay exactly where it is trading in fiat i strongly disagree okay well we will see in in a on the the follow-up summit in (laughs) 20 years on on future zao uh anniversary edition um <laughs> anniversary we'll have, what, are you we'll have you back there's gonna be a break this is our anniversary this is the jj anniversary um so well before where, we get where are to, we moving to SPACs? well yeah well, i guess if you want to we can talk Everyone. briefly about SPACs. old school SPAC. listeners will spack the, what's the that song by um uh oh yeah uh, eddie van halen jump SPAC. okay so SPAC is special purpose acquisition company it's something we talked about um one of our favorite things that everyone is just like throwing their panties onto the stage for special purpose acquisition companies they've fallen out of favor folks um basically what they are like companies that would be created out of whole cloth in order to go public and like get a bunch of public investment on and then they would with the promise of finding a company to absorb and then there's uh, a giant yeah. finger go being ahead go ahead jj right here i'll <laughs> i'll correct you a little bit um, yeah correct me correct <laughs> it is me. SPACs are a public company which is essentially just a vehicle it's a it's a pool of money a publicly traded yes. pool of money which is it's a it's a company but it's just a, a vacuous yeah it's a vacuum like there's no actual thing it doesn't do anything but then you make it public and the purpose as you said is to then absorb to to buy usually private privately held yes. companies responsible for bringing a lot of companies that you never would have thought would be public make them public and for they don't example, have to go through a proper ipo because yeah, they exactly they uh, they get absorbed by an already public company it's a sort of loophole around doing an ipo my my dad would be so proud of me right now there you go you are right you are right i don't know in what way that my favorite spec personally was, uh, is corrected, uh, uh trump media which is uh famously uh was launched oh, i didn't know that was yeah tntg or whatever trump uh, media technology company um they were launched through social true social yeah it's part of their umbrella of uh of tech businesses. So, well, let me just read from an article in CNBC which says the following. After a year of issuance explosion in 2021, there are now 600 SPACs searching for an acquisition target. So that is like companies that have been formed on the basis of finding a good investment that they will then absorb uh, without... Yes, it's just... Yeah, exactly. It's just money like floating on a barge um, that has not materialized. 
Um, and to, to, to quote again from CNBC, as the market environment turned rough, some announced deals stopped in their tracks. Many sponsors have been forced to scrap their proposed deals, sometimes even before the SPACs were listed. So basically, the whole thing is right, like, these companies become public companies with a bunch of money in them. And then like they merge with private companies and then those private companies don't have to go through a proper IPO where like people sort of look the gift horse in the mouth, inspect the teeth and decide how much it's worth. It's See like it's a way to a real company. Too. Yes, exactly. It's a way to <laughs> go public things. very cheaply. Yeah, it's, and with it's, little sort scrutiny. Of, it's sort of a, a loophole. It is a loophole, but now they're sort of but a very efficient one. But well, there was they're evaporating now because, uh, I mean, there was a lot of of SEC pushback, if I recall. Well, they're being regulated much more than they once were. And Goldman Sachs, who who was like a big... you know, backer spacker of a backer of the spack i like that spacker. has said the following that goldman sachs is scaling back its business um all right <laughs> after uh yeah a, a change in the regulatory environment so i i mean why are we talking about this i guess it's just that like these financial instruments that i mean again which i think is very apropos when we're talking about nfts and cryptocurrency are honestly like withering under more scrutiny and uh like um people trying to i guess like you know put them through their paces as as like durable financial instruments like they really don't work it's it's all it's well, all quick which if i recall correctly the it's reason spacs are are going under more scrutiny was because there were several and i don't recall precisely what these cases were but there were several high profile cases that they didn't work sure i think a lot of companies have gone public via SPACs and then like cratered yes so well also to what you were saying joan of why we're talking about it the future is out folks is not it's uh, a financial it's, it's, we're future not, we're, we're not one we're actually a part of the financial times <laughs> uh, one day hopefully I'm much, not, inshallah we're certainly not above dancing on some graves here and that's uh, absolutely you know, is, uh, correct <laughs> and like you know mac honestly you you hipped me to nfts many months ago and i think we're now seeing a, a nadir in the in the Bro, nft I was, I was market on NFTs. i know but you weren't on the podcast <laughs> and uh now we're seeing spacs have their fucking uh you know they're getting spacked they're getting spacked man they're getting spackled <laughs> Um, so we are pissing and yeah, shitting on the graves yeah, yeah, of SPACs and of NFTs and any other acronym that dare, uh, you know, SPAC, SPAC sounds a lot better than NFT. It does. I mean, it's we love a good onomatopoeia. Yeah. Um, okay. So just one last thing to touch on. <laughs> yeah. Because that's, that's precisely the sound of a SPAC. <laughs> it is the sound of yeah, SPAC. Yeah. I hope you all heard that. Jump! Um, okay, so maybe we'll take a break and then we'll come back and we'll talk music industry unless we're missing anything. I think that's good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, sure. Cool. All right, sounds, guys. Sounds uh, good. Enjoy the musical stylings of Dawn Core.
back. And we're, we're back. back. Thanks, Dalton Core, yeah, for the tunes. Um, Dalton Core moved to LA. I lost my bassist. <laughs> I'll never forgive him. Um, you know, a bassist can move to LA, but the music industry will always be in your heart. Exactly. Um, expand on that, JJ. <laughs> no, um, JJ, tell us about, uh, you know, uh, we, 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 we're here to pick your brain. You JJ, know? As, as a MIP, uh, as we explained as earlier. Yeah, as a you, MIP. You're, you, you have insight into the which, future. Which, I want to reiterate, is not an ethnic slur <laughs> of any kind. <laughs> it merely is a slur against people who work in the music <laughs> industry. Um, and by slur, I mean it means you're doing a great job and you're cool. Thank you. So, JJ, tell us... Yeah, speak your mind, man. What do you hear? What do you hear to talk about today? Because I think you know, there's much that uh, the future Zhao has to learn from a music industry insider. Yeah, I would. I would agree. I think it it sort of reflects um, a lot of the the woes, the the perils that you guys uh, talk about in your podcast. Um, music has recorded music has always been this advancing technology you know going back to the phonograph in the 1870s um constantly let's take it back real quick uh the phonograph not to be confused with a gramophone phonograph invented by edison was that cylindrical thing which i i imagine most most listeners can Yo, I get Both. so pissed when people <laughs> think my phonograph is a gramophone. Both like, of those words, when you say it, I just imagine like uh, that like old timey movie with like the splotches of like when the film is which going Which is by. the one that when you <laughs> where you record on a wax cylinder. That that's a phonograph, and then the gramophone was invented by a competitor of Edison about ten years later, which essentially is the the early record player that was the you know a, a flat uh i think they were originally made out of shellac which is why they were so fragile up until like the 50s um but then you got the radio the birth of the radio in the I 20s one, yeah. super important um lame now but yeah Oh, no, come on. There's WBGO, guys. Big plug. WBGO. I listen to that because of you. Yeah, that's always on in my house. WBGO. Best radio station on the planet. 88.3. Good man. Um, you know, then there were, um, you know, vinyl records. It's in the name. And then cassettes in the 70s. Cassettes never really, really took off, did they? What's up with that? They did. they did, but then they didn't have the longevity, you know. Great car accessories, though. I I would I would say I would say it was it was pretty it was pretty they were huge, but then they don't have. I guess what I I guess what I meant to say is that they did not have the sort of uh, revival of of vinyl. I mean, in a smaller way, there are a lot of there are a lot of. Uh, yeah yeah and there are a lot of like label has put out a cassette someone has gone to prison for sexual (laughs) misconduct Uh, that seems to be the heuristic 
Well, no one, no one at a bastard jazz and wonder wheel has, oh. and we've we've put out a. Anyways, um, we just cut out ten seconds of silence there. <laughs> that, uh, it's just you had CD, CDs, which were meant to be the be all and end all of audio, just full stop. Developed by Sony in the in the. Who invented the I, yeah, CD? Invent Sony. That's crazy. Almost positive it was it was Sony. Um, and you know the reason why a CD is the length that it is? It's because it's the precise length of Beethoven's ninth. <laughs> that's insane. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, they could make it any size. I mean, they were, make, they were inventing a new uh, format, right? Um, and it was... Can't, but you can... Is that the maximum amount? What's the maximum? Because there's like a lot of variables about what 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 can fit on one CD or or, or so on and so forth. Time thing. There's there's only so much space on a on a CD, but CDs were meant to be the the be all and end all of you know audio recording, which a lot of people would say that CDs are effectively the best because yeah yeah in terms of quality but then there are a lot of people who say a physical medium which vinyl is a physical medium cds are digital even though it's not you know it's not streaming it's not downloads but cds are are digital uh mechanism there's ones and zeros on there is what you're saying which are evil they tell you to kill to kill God and wear his skin. There's a a, a vinyl, like a, a record is a physical means of, of reproducing sound. And a lot of people argue that that physicality gives a, a certain depth that is not um you can't reproduce by by digital means. To to what you're saying there, JJ, I think one thing that I'm hearing from this like de- like century of innovation is that like the music is just like inherently tied with like these technological advances that happen exactly. really fast, right? Which is interesting, like for our purposes, right? Because it's like it like all the things you named, they're used way bigger than just music, right? But music, yeah, and I like- I like to think of the example of of a car, right? The until. I mean, there were actually electric cars at the same time as combustion engines, and we almost went the electric route. Can you imagine what our world would look like if we did? But, yeah, it would be super gay. Um, But the combustion engine, the the principle, the, the components of a car has not really changed since its invention whereas well i actually changed it one time but then i (laughs) I changed it back because it was like music is this sort of it's this ephemeral what you're selling is 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 it's an idea it's a sound and it's it's reproduced through different media 
And that's what makes music, I think, so interesting and so adaptable and why it often is at the forefront of emerging technologies. I mean, it was at the forefront of of the internet, you know? Yeah, it is sort of distinct because it's just like, it's a form of media that can be delivered in various ways and like the delivery of it changes frequently but also like unlike literature say uh or um or even i mean to to a certain extent like physical like visual art is is subject to this as well but music is so much more widely enjoyed that like the the delivery and the change of the change of medium and like the the propulsion of of these various like uh technological processes changes the way that it's delivered but also the way that it's made by like by the artists that make it which makes it so it's like something that's sort of like dialoguing with all of these like you know the internet is not just a delivery mechanism it's like it's a production mechanism in a way that that's not really true for like again literature say like you can write about whatever you want, but it's like you are effectively just writing down. It's been the it's been the same format, or or like the the production has been affected by the same um, format since the inception of writing. Yes, and and I would love, and yeah, I mean, there's so much to say on this, but like, and eventually, and I know you you're 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 on you're you're making a point, so I'll get out of your way. But like something we were just talking about is like the whole NFT shit and all of the rest. It's just like we are going to talk about streaming, um, which I think is is extremely relevant. But like, yeah, how all of this like proposed, supposed anyway. Sorry for spitting into the mic as much <laughs> as I am. Um, all of the supposed changes in uh, these delivery mechanisms that are going to revolutionize, revolutionize. Uh, that's an that's a word that's a word now one of my faves uh don't google it uh you know music and and the rest like yeah how 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 does it how- well i i think you just touched briefly and i'm not gonna talk long on this but briefly about the effect of uh the medium on the artist which David Byrne has an amazing TED talk on this, where he goes from Gregorian chant and how Gregorian chant was effectively made and it sounds the way it does because it was made for this architecture and it could sound that way. And he works his way through, you know, the romantic era opera, you know, Wagner uh, could sound, he could create the music that he created because of the media that was available and the architecture that was available to him. And then he sort of ends on like uh, the car and how especially hip hop has been uh, influenced and, and um, is almost created for this unique space. Fascinating, fascinating Ted talk. Interesting. Yeah, to to talk specifically about the streaming thing, um, and just to tee you up a little bit on that. Um, so what we were just talking about about these delivery mechanisms, streaming. If you're going on from after CDs, 
hugely different for a number of reasons. But one is that like even outside of music, I think like all of our interaction online is kind of based around streaming. Like for one, no one owns things anymore. You're you have like uh, access to services. Um, everything is on demand. Like a lot of the things we use is, are all streaming and music was early on that right like comparable to a lot of things and so i'm just curious like with that context like how how do you think of all of it what were some of the problems or like the good things about streaming because it was contentious right i mean it still is it's probably more contentious today than it it was you know when it first became a thing because when it when it first became a thing in the late 2000s it was a not even a reaction to it was a a saving grace it was a it was a hail mary of for this industry that had been really decimated and i know jonah you have maybe a a slight difference of opinion as to why it was decimated but just factually you went from a physical um revenue stream which was built on in the late 90s cds which the music industry i actually have a a little graph here in my notes um it hit an all-time high of 22.7 billion in 1999 which the music industry loves CDs because all of these people who grew up in the 60s with records then bought CDs. And, I mean, that's not the only reason, but the music industry was making hand over fist, and then the internet completely changed that and in the mid 2000s it was i mean looking at this chart 7.3 billion i mean that's a third i mean it is just like a really obvious thing but someone we're saying is that like like 20 years ago like now i paid seven dollars and i have infinite music before like i remember going to itunes and buying like like a hundred dollars worth of music that was like dude i used to get from my from my dad it was a it was a monthly allowance and i would get 10.99 or 12.99 and i could buy one album a month essentially well we all remember the era of the of the itunes gift card oh for sure those was like the classic like uncle who you (laughs) haven't seen in three years who's like gonna send you a birthday gift and he's like oh it's an itunes gift card and i will say shouts out to my brother who uh showed me how to torrent music uh and i was using sites like waffles.fm and the rest to get you know my albums at a certain point which would suggest that like people who were otherwise buying music (laughs) uh were then turning to piracy but i mean i do think it's like i i I absolutely acknowledge that like the advent of piracy made it so much easy to just so much easier to get music it's just a fact that revenue in the music industry was cut by two-thirds in the space in the space of seven years like that is that is crazy 
It is, but there were a lot of other things happening uh, in that same space that uh, I don't think it's wholly attributable to pi- to, to piracy. That's what, what thing is wholly attributable? No, but I think it's like, I mean, I think there's a lot of, uh, you know, er, research and in, in to show that like much of what piracy does is cut the, essentially the dead weight i.e. people who would never have deemed a given record valuable enough to spend the money on it anyway they're like well if it's free i will listen to it the thing that's at issue is the people who are like i would have paid for this but now since i can get it for free i won't and that's absolutely a significant number but i think a large number of people who like you know who are pirating music are people who would never have bought it in the first place and again it's very hard to like quantify any of this but there's a lot of like economic uh i don't know changes and uh you know coming off the fat the high hog days of of the late clinton administration can you can say that but for an industry that was riding so high yeah it's it's a significant factor two thirds but yeah, for an industry, for an entire industry to be decimated by two thirds in like the span of seven years is pretty crazy. But I think, like, to just, of to course, I can't pinpoint it to one it. specific. No one can, but there are a number of factors. One of which is okay, pretty clear to be yeah. piracy. However, it breaks down with that. One thing that's like un, it's objectively clear is that this new technology transformed everything right like every major label is now bought into streaming um it's it is like the lay of the land now regardless of how we got there right yeah okay jj can you talk streaming can you stream on us baby i'll i'll stream all over you yeah stream it stream um so streaming basically popped up as a reaction to you know, this decimation of the industry and a way to monetize what was free music, and that is piracy. Who was, like, the first to do do the streaming thing? Um, you know, I, I honestly, I don't recall. I did know this at some point. I feel like Napster actually had a, a very early day. Um, They're from 1999 because I was just writing about them today. Was, I didn't realize they were that. Well, Napster early. initially was a, a file sharing right. system, yeah, yeah. but I believe Napster later in the 2000s had a, a streaming surface. Also, um, well, yeah, yeah, he was he was the inventor of Napster. No, um, I think radio spelled R. DIO, which turned into um, another company. Anyway, there were some some players in like the mid two thousands, um, from from what I recall. Um, my favorite one, which was not even, it was streaming, but also <laughs> essentially a, a file sharing site, was Groove Shark. I remember Groove Shark. Yeah, you had some sick playlists on Groove Shark too that all Groove went Shark away. Groove Shark was the best, but it was also too way too good to be true. And Did y'all use LimeWire? I the only time I briefly I would get like pirated music from friends. I never did it myself. Right. So like I'm not a bad person. <laughs> 
Yeah, you were like, you're not like, you were just pimping out your friends for your own benefit. But yeah, Groove Shark was was I mean, Groove Shark was, yeah. was just was just free mu- <laughs> free music that you could just stream. It was it was great, and then they were taken to court and just summarily they were lined up against the wall and shot yeah just and then their website was no more dude i tried to intern with them when i was like 16 you're lucky you escaped the firing squad by not (laughs) achieving that internship as you describe it though it's interesting just how much because we're struggling to name the names interesting how long it took to transition from like the piracy element of it to like companies that were actually able to right who were essentially into, like, taking the piracy and just affect make it less cool. trying to legalize it and like uh, regularize it within certain forms because that's right. essentially what what it is that's I what mean. spotify is for sure or like so yeah spotify spotify, is just piracy spotify formalized. did what groove shark couldn't or rather what they were trying to do because Groove Shark tried to make a deal with the majors, and the majors just the major labels. Which, by the way, there used to be. This is another just very quick aside. There used to be six major labels for many, many years, uh, and in the 2000s, they were all consolidated into three. Which today it's Universal, the largest music company on the planet. Uh, then appropriately Sony, named. Then Sony and then uh, Warner, and all of those classic, uh, you know, sort of fifties, sixties record labels that you can think of, like Atlantic, Columbia, etc. Those are all housed under these big umbrellas. Um, anyways, what were we talking about? I was just we were talking about the transition um, of of making streaming not a piracy right. thing, but make it mainstream like it is now. Yeah, so- so Groove Shark was just shot out of the water. Spotify reached a deal with the majors whereby they were I don't know if they were given or if they bought into Spotify uh in a, it was about 2009. Um they each of them so Universal, Sony, Warner and then Merlin which is this big conglomerate sort of representation of indie labels and it's sort of like a fourth major but it's all separate indies um they each had you know x percentage of spotify it was you know all very much minority share but with that they basically came to an agreement um for licensing right so they still got their piece of the cut like if there was some like during the piracy era there was an idea that was like oh this will be the end of the labels and like they're more persistent the labels have been making hand over fist and you know this is sort of a good segue i i was looking for i music business worldwide for anyone who's interested best resource uh, they have incredible newsletters, um, and I I read their stuff every single day. But I don't recall if they've broken the late '90s record or if it's close. But just the last couple quarters, the majors, especially Universal, 
have just been like extraordinarily it's funny how they persist yeah through this whole thing they really do and so something that i want to touch on is how streaming functions economically which is something called a pro rata model yes yes it it really is and i'm gonna i'm gonna use you as as an example in a second but so the pro rata model, and I, I've written it out because I always forget what goes over what. Um, not very good at math, but it's the total revenue. So let's use Spotify as the example. Total revenue from uh, subscribers and from advertising. And that is times the artist streams over total streams. So... If an artist you like has 10,000 streams, if an artist you like, like Drake has 2 billion streams in a given payment cycle, that is divided by the total share of streams times the revenue, and that's what you get each month. Which is why... Which is why there is no people talk about like oh Spotify pays X amount. It's always an average. Yeah, just to say that there's like there is no like this like two people on Spotify do not make the same thing for the same stream. Like this for a given payment period. Yes, they do. Okay, they do. But what is inherently fucked up about a pro rata model and this is where i'm gonna bring you in and you can correct me if i'm (laughs) being too general but i always use you as an example when i'm when i'm explaining this to other people i don't know if you knew that um yeah mac actually has you know he's a humble guy but like he does have a sort of an artistic alter ego and uh, what unknown as uh What's a Drake? Yeah, yeah. Mac is Drake, actually. Uh, um, so he makes he makes a few bucks. Yeah, you know my dance is um, good. But yeah, go ahead. So you listen to a lot of pretty small independent. Yeah, another way to describe it is just like yeah, noise music. It uh, for dumb people. But yes, yeah, small people who make like most of their shit. It doesn't of. matter what the genre is. Yeah. You listen to pretty small independent artists. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. People who have, let's say, under 100K streams on a given song. Let's just say that that's true. That's true. Um, now, I don't know if you do, but let's just say you don't listen to Drake, Taylor Swift, Ariana Grande, The Weeknd, etc. All of the I major. Yeah, see, so you, you literally don't. Um, because of the way this system works, because of the this this equation, the vast majority, like you're talking, ninety nine point nine percent of what you pay to Spotify each month is going not to the artists who you listen to, but it's going to the Drakes and Taylor Swifts and Ariana Grandes. Fuck! 
That's a that's annoying. But that's that's how this system works, and like you can think, which, you know, you go to shows, you buy merch, you know, that is how you actually support independent artists, is basically giving like actually giving them real money, but just streaming their music, you can only stream their music, which I'm I would guess you largely do right you don't you don't listen to those major artists but the vast majority of your subscription goes to those because they have the largest percentage of the total streams which that is what's inherently just wrong yeah it's perverse because because it really is flipped on its head, right? Because you would think that like if you have less streams, then it should be more valuable because like there's there's less that goes around. Whereas it's completely the opposite, where the people who have the less of the streaming numbers have to just like work way harder to like do all the shows, do all the tours. Another important thing to recognize is that the volume of content. Oh, sorry, Billy. Did I did I roll over you? Um, the volume of content has increased expon like you can't even conceive how much it is. You know, yeah. guess this is actually uh three hundred seven thousand. Guess how many songs are uploaded to Spotify every single day? Every single day? 125,000. It's 60,000. Oh, Jesus. Okay. I was I was high. <laughs> million songs every single know, day? Dude. Max. There's a, lot, there's a lot of shit out there, dude. 60,000 is insane. Yeah. Every single day? I can't do math, and I but 60,000 <laughs> every single Yeah, song. and Mac listens to every one to determine if it's good or not, which is fucked up. And I'm like, dude, stop. Your family is wondering if you're where you are and if you're okay. And he's like... He's like, one more shitty emo rap song to go. <laughs> you know, this is... There's sort of an argument to be said about what we had in say the 60s and 70s where there was a very high so many records were getting cut though in the 70s and so on sure but there was if you're going to be successful there was a very high barrier of entry right now anyone can put out music to reach the world yeah but here's the thing which is no money you can you can i feel like the difference is that like if you got a record cut in the 60s or 70s, like you were guaranteed that you would have at least a small amount of... But now, I think like any old schmo can get their shit on Spotify and like, it's extreme. There's probably... I would say probably my guess is like the majority of Spotify artists probably have like less than a thousand plays on everything. Yeah, I mean, this is... So I, it's I, just I like... I forget what the exact statistic like is, but it's like it it looks similar to the, to the wealth gap in the US. You know, it's like the top 
2% of Spotify artists make like 96% of the revenue. But I think, I mean, it's one, I mean, I agree with the fact that like now you're less likely to make anything off the, the actual music than you were in the past. But I think the way, like if you accept, which most of the smaller bands seem to accept that like it is, you're not doing it to get the money off of the, the stream platforms it's just an exposure tool to get people like, to come to your to shows, shows. Yeah. and like that that i feel like is a thing that you can actually get bigger and get more exposure than you could in the past yeah because, like, so is, like, so that's that's niche. that's something that you know streaming i think or or even recorded music in general with the exception of vinyl but that's actually in, in a an important aside the reason in my opinion why say the majors why you know there's always going to be a billy eilish vinyl there's always going to be an adele vinyl um like exponentially sell a record for 30 bucks you know how many streams that is it's a lot a lot of streams you know how many streams went into this vinyl the streams and especially when you're talking really big artists like that the people aren't even buying it to have the record they just want to like have it like to act they're not buying it to play it it so what do you i'd like to interject but so with that what you just explained about that business what do you tell like people at your label like how do you communicate this shit to people who are like because i'm guessing a lot of newer artists are like they're artists right they just want to fucking they love the fucking music and the passion how do you sort of explain to them the reality of like how all this shit works is is it difficult like what's that conversation like about how this works i'll be honest i've i've never had this conversation with an artist um i mean we're pretty small we but your artists like don't make the majority of their revenue from streaming right or they do uh for wonder wheel i think it's like 60 40 uh streaming slash digital let's say uh digital versus physical and then bastard jazz is like 60 40 physical digital um in terms of revenue uh that's at least how aaron and but as you say it's like for every person that like hears a track and is like fuck it i'm gonna buy the lp is like that's equivalent of like tens of thousands of streams right there so like the conversion is like and then it begs the question of like what are what is streaming really for it's like in a weird way i mean something that we talked about briefly is like I guess in the music industry, it's just like what the, the consumer welfare, it's just like what consumers get out of the market and out of the industry. It's just like it clearly it's tilted largely in that direction because we can all stream to our fucking heart's content and uh, not really have to worry. And a weird concept. It is a weird concept. And but I also think to a certain extent like where everyone is cognizant i mean not everyone but i mean everyone who is interested in this to this to the slightest extent is cognizant of the fact that you know your streaming is not doing anything for the artist of choice that you like to support but uh uh, i i disagree with you i think 
I think no, you're not allowed. You're not allowed to disagree. <laughs> Cut his mic off, <laughs> Mac. Will you turn his mic off? Get the fuck. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I don't know, but I I feel like your average consumer thinks like, oh, I'm streaming their music. Like, yeah, I'm right. Well, I'm that's what like I was was like, I don't think it's the average person isn't thinking that deeply about it. But I think people who are like invested in or like care about like the indie music scene, like people who are cool and like chill and like girls are like want to talk to them and stuff and like like uh, yeah i guess yeah i, guess, I mean one I mean, of our fans on, who's banging on the window just now just said uh, an interesting thing which is like that's us and that's yeah. so true oh and she, i honestly she think just that's threw so a, true she just threw a bra over uh, i mean yeah. that is unnecessary no, I, I, like, I i'm having it. yeah not no, again. security will liquidate her not again. but uh it's true it's true that is like us and we are different and better than almost everyone else but um the point is th- i think that's uh, the end of the podcast right <laughs> uh yeah and we'll see you next week um yeah it it does change you know but i do think that like I, I I don't know like I don't know these these uh these mechanisms that we've that we've had for like experiencing music in like a very cheap and fast and easy way um I do think like the people who actually like music and are like really involved and interested and like want to fucking hear about new artists and like discover new artists and do this that and the other thing and are like interested are not like gonna just have their music consumption replaced by streaming like like everyone i know everyone i know who is like an actual fan streams music on spotify but also buys lps and they go to concerts the value of a of a fan of a of a you know, music nerd, if you will, which I think we all are to some to some degree. I mean, no, a hundred percent. We all listen to a ton we of like, music. No, it's like our hobby. The value, chat. the value of our Spotify subscription is way higher as listeners than someone who doesn't really care about music who uses it occasionally. You know, we we get a lot more out of this, which is actually beneficial, which sort of leads me to this maybe the the final the final point or or the final clause of of my part here, which is our favorite term. Well, let me. Can I ask you one more question about streaming before we do? Before we go there? Just no, one, don't, don't say it. The only, yeah, go ahead. The last, go thing, ahead, just, lastly, just to close it because I've been musing on this. Is you were just talking about the business side of it, which is all really interesting. But like, on not the business side, but like before when you were doing like your history of like the different technologies of music, like you said, how that changes the way that its music is actually created, like. The LP will like make a certain track listing or like songs well, get shorter or longer. Why do you think we've longer. we've moved to this age of singles? Sh- well, pers- which are much shorter. That's what that's what I was basically wanted to, Whereas, to muse on. It's just like uh, 
in that side of things, like w- what have you seen both like with the artists you work with and just as a person who's into music, how has that changed like the, t- the way music's created, the type of music, like what's popular? You know what I mean? Like, cause, yeah. cause I think there's a lot of, a lot of that. Absolutely. I mean, you've seen, we've all seen it's, it's the age of the single, right. it's the age of the, the short single. Yeah especially tiktok single yeah well and now it's being cut short even more with tiktok and it's sound bites it's it's the age of the sound bite which is you know even shorter than uh the short singles um i'm thinking of like uh lil pump uh what was his first uh, you guys were on gucci gang thank you gucci gang gucci gang that was under two minutes you know and like there was a a, there has been a a steady trend of major hits being under two minutes and versus if you look at if you look at the 60s and 70s because of the format you have the lp and it was very album oriented because of the the medium which i mean you can't really opine about you know what what is better or not because it's just it's just the the technology and the the interface tell me if you agree with this because i've been thinking about this recently with along the same things i've noticed that across genres there's a lot of value with specifically singles for shock value of like a lot of stuff, right? Where there's something that has like a big hook or like a big thing that happens, which is like it grabs you, especially if you're streaming and like you're going through a bunch of shit. But well, least, a single, least, a single for, should for always me, be the, the standout sure. track of a record. But I, this is the editorializing, but it's like for me, those tend to like loot they don't have their they last longer you know what i mean like it, it's harder for those to like endure than like maybe some other songs that are less pressured to have this like big uh big thing that happens so maybe i'm just making that i don't know i i feel like you're maybe that's maybe your your experience yeah fair enough. Uh, i don't know if that's uh something that you can say that's sort of industry-wide and like also the whole shortening of music is not industry wide and you know there are a lot of things that rebut against trends like Olivia Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license a 4 minute or so ballad being the number one song for ages there's a lot of exceptions, but I think it's fair to say though that like there are like if you if you look at the big picture, it's like it it there's these big influences right that impact everything. Um, but and that's attention span, it's social media, it's the it's streaming, it's the way we consume music. Yeah. But you know there are the album still persists, the EP still persists, which is funny because for a large part I mean you were asking me about my my personal yeah. like relationship and how 
we talk about this with artists. I mean, Bastard Jazz and Wonder Wheel are, we release most of our music on vinyl as well as digital. Um, every single LP we put out on vinyl, 12 inches we put out on vinyl, 7 inches. So we're, we are still very much, uh, and our, our audience is very much attached to the more traditional um formats probably old-fashioned but i truly like you have to take the album away from my like dead hands because dude i think the album is a it's like so correct like and right and like it like 45 minutes to an hour a, a statement it's like reading like a, a short novel, you know. It's a it's a. But you should you should be able to, uh, yeah, defer that back to uh, to someone, you know, and then uh, and see how see how it shakes out. Otherwise, like you know, see if it's uh, if you're just gonna be playing uh, playing playing Tom Fool. Which, I mean, there are a lot of bad albums. Out exactly. There. <laughs> no, no, exactly. But I think you're right. It's like, you know, you have to, you have to be able to feel out a bit of the genius, and like, ideally, that will be there, and like, that can be there if you're the guy, like if you're Johnny on the spot. But, well, I think like an interesting example is take Tyler the Creator who is very much of the era that he should be an artist who's just making singles, and yet he is explicitly attached to the album. And it shows, for sure. I mean, he creates... Yeah, he creates albums, and that's what he does. And he talks about it in interviews, and he's like, this is how I express myself. Which, you know, it's just like... Uh, there are structures in literature. Sure. Some things just work. Like, you know, you don't want to be the gatekeeper type of person that's against change, but there are some things that just kind of work a lot. And, like, those rules are meant to be broken, but, like, writing's a great example where If you look at, yeah, if you look at also, like, like culture, like, music is so driven by culture, and, like, culture is driven by music, like, albums have enough space to, like, an album can define a moment in time, right? Where a single has, but, I, yeah, possibly, but it seems like it's less comprehensive, right? Because it's it's more immediate, whereas, like, an album can, like, can speak to, like, a, a, a theme that's happening, you know, for more than just like a couple weeks or a month. Absolutely. And I w- I've been thinking about this a lot lately. I don't know if you all have uh, listened to Kendrick's new album. I haven't yet. Yeah, we we're talking about... Have you listened to it? I have. I listened to it uh, in its entirety twice twice through at this point. Um, I think it is very... I mean, we can go, we can go into this. 
I did not bring this up to talk about the new Kendrick record because this is not a, a music review uh, podcast. Um, but why did I bring this up? Oh, to pimp a butterfly. One of my it's it's got to be top five favorite albums for me of all time. But it took me years, literally years, to like get to that yeah, level like, totally of appreciation. You know? Because it's 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 an opus. It's a sure. fucking thing to digest. Yeah, it's so rich. And it's like in the same way that I've <laughs> mic drop. In the same way that I've reread my favorite book, Master and Margarita, you know, it's like every single time you go back, yeah. there's something, some little nuance, some subtlety, and so, that's something that you can't get from a single. Yeah, I agree. So we're getting like kind of nostalgic and thinking of these, and it's, there's clearly some pitfalls about like the streaming era, and we kind of wonder like what's next. That kind of alludes to what you were talking about before. JJ, you have like a pretty clear, the clearest sense of anyone on this podcast about what is the next thing about music, and so. Well, I don't know if it's the clearest sense, but it's it's optimistic, or at least what I what I would like to see happen. Obviously, there's been this whole NFT craze in music, which is for, for those who don't know, just because it's assumed like that there's. Yeah, <laughs> I'm fungible tokens, but like, I, but like, musicians are creating albums that are NFTs, right? Like, so that's like been a thing for a little bit. Yeah, gr- like grime, Grimes. Uh, yeah, but it's it's a gimmick, man. It's a, it's a, it's still at this point a gimmick, is it not? I don't know if it's a gimmick. If well, you can't say that like musicians are on mass creating NFT albums and no. No, absolutely not. I mean, there are 60,000 songs uploaded to Spotify every day. There are not 60,000 NFTs created every day. 100%. It's basically, the way I see it, a means for established artists and some, call them entrepreneurial, uh, non-established artists, uh to try to make a bug but it's the underlying technology that is i think very interesting and very exciting and why why because are you familiar with smart contracts yes but our listeners might not be so smart contracts are essentially a means through which you can encode uh economic um uh th- through ways what's uh, splits okay. um into a file that will be directed to the encrypted or the encoded digital wallets so what's exciting about this is a little aside the music industry has a huge issue with what's called the black box, which is this 
pool billions and billions of dollars that has not been paid out to artists because of just errors with metadata like names yeah. and they can't and bank accounts and it, they can't find where the money's meant to go basically our friend ethan just like being shitty at his job <laughs> no, I mean that's that's not true. It's actually it's it would be more people in my position who aren't good at their job. So there's some glut, yeah. Gotcha. Sorry, I didn't mean to throw you for a curve. I listen. But if you could could say right now, like I get a master from an artist and I encode the metadata, then we get the publishing. Mm-hmm. Publishing goes off to someone if we're not publishing ourselves. There are just so many players, and there's a lot of room for error. So why does a smart contract solve these problems? Because you can encode a, a contract that automates all of these payments within a file. And what where I see music going is a way... F- away from a pro rata system mm-hmm. and towards a per use system with micropayments that's all done on a on a blockchain connected to your digital wallet so instead of me or you or you power users who spend the exact same amount as uh you know non power users Listen, man, just because I'm a power user doesn't mean I'm not <laughs> <clears throat> I'm not trustworthy, okay? But I can see how that would be better for the, 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 the creator than it is now. Yeah, but who stands to benefit from this well, new... The artists, and you can determine... You can, in theory, you can determine... You can determine what the price is within... So... And and it's just stop you real quick, just because like, so in this world where this where this happens, I'm very confused about how like me, someone trying to listen to music. How do I go about listening to music in this hypothetical world? Like, I mean, Spotify to... and YouTube, they've all been investing and hiring heavily in this sort of technology. I would think these big players are gonna try to adapt. Um. If not, there will probably be new players. But so in terms of the way you access it, would it still seem the same, but it's just on the back end it's different? Or would you actually need to be on like some blockchain account where like you have like, you you know, you have... It- Thing is, nobody like, knows I, because I, this I is never know. going to happen. And like, yeah, not to like come out. I've been holding my tongue. All this Web3 shit is all fake, man. It's all just people boosting each Boo. other. It's not going to happen. No, mark my words. I mean, like, literally, literally mark my words. Like, there will never be a revolution of uh, the way that people consume music. Or, I mean, not that there will, that's, but it will not be this. It's, it's going to be. It's gonna my case is that what current. 
No, listen. What what currently works right now is working spectacularly well for the powers that be, i.e. the Daniel X, the people who run Spotify, all the rest. Like, this is extremely... And why have the majors been investing so heavily? Because they need to show that they're doing something and that they're, like... uh, They need to show they're, they're what, just flushing tens of millions, if not... Yes, precisely. Just just for just for the show of it well they no they're they're not that smart they actually think that they're uh, pioneering something but they're fucking morons and uh it's the same reason that uh, like tens of thousands of people put billions of dollars into into blind ape nfts and then lost all of their fucking money because they became valueless overnight when the bubble burst so the idea that he said earlier about that maybe with like with the smart contract for example that that could just like that that no i know but it's a it's a good it's a very useful heuristic for understanding the rest of all of this shit that concept that that he that jj was saying about the smart contract how that would potentially give more accessible money to the creators like you just don't that you don't buy that's a bunch of that's a bunch of fucking much more that's bullshit it's not it's not it's it's something that will never happen that was never designed the music industry no i don't know that much but like mark my words like you know more about the music industry than me but like at, at the end of the day like the way the money shakes down I'm not saying that the players who are are taking their percentage... It's a fake financial sort of uh, boondoggle. Like, no one is... Well, that's a different argument. You're saying that the the players, the financial players, which I... I that's yeah, precisely our, it's why all bad faith bullshit. That's, that's why the majors are investing so heavily. I'm not. I, I that wasn't my argument. Well, I'm not. I'm. Not, I'm in no way. I'm not like going after your argument or anyone else. I'm just making a, a sort of standalone point that may or may not be compatible with with your argument, which is just that like, um, NFT Web 3.0 shit is not going to be the future of the music industry. And it's not going to be the future of anything because it's 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 a literal, it's it's like a, you know, it, it's a it's a coconut it's a coconut shy game. It's fugazi. It's fake. Well, tell me if this is fair, JJ. Just like hearing that too, like, but because I think this is the bridge between those two things. Like you're talking about you're talking about the technology, but like there is a case that the powers that be who are like as you're explaining Jonah that like they're not one to like relinquish their power there's still a reality where you could have the web through technology but those powers that be still control it right that's that, that's, that, that's like, i i'm not i'm not disagreeing with that and i think that's precisely what is that i think that's precisely what is happening now what i would agree with is the the utopian ideal of say the these decentralized networks that are are just i mean it's it's utopian and idealistic but the backbone is going to be it already is in a lot of scenarios blockchain and what it's i mean web3 is just a bullshit like umbrella term for this stuff but 
I, I would say the I same am thing like, is true of, of blockchain. Like, that's a bullshit umbrella term that what? doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it no. is. Like, it's not really... I mean, yeah, there is a specific thing that is referenced when certain people say blockchain, but there's so much that is, like, w- people's, uh, you know hearkening to it is just is just fake it it does not apply to any real world uh um alternate means of what it is literally functioning at this moment in the real world in our banks in our tech companies no i understand i understand this but my point is that like yeah the blockchain is a technology that exists but my point is that it's 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 literally used as a cloak for uh absolutely just like um kind of paper thin uh, uh shenanigans and and like meaningless uh financial maneuvering um in in a way that is is just uh but just takes a lot of people for fucking for rubes because they don't know any better because they're they're swept up in in the marketing well maybe so we have a few more specifics because jj you've placed the the line in the sand that like you think this could be a thing that's useful in the future and you you said smart contracts what are like other aspects of this whole of like the web3 whatever you call it that you see are like uh, i think micro micro payments in which so we all have our digital wallets um you know we have yet to see how those will function i mean we were talking about this earlier you know el salvador for example it's like how do you have a digital wallet that can fluctuate by 50 percent in two months i mean how indeed yeah how i'm i'm not disagreeing with that but I I think it will be figured out. Well, like by by what? Yeah, I guess that's the thing that I'm curious about, which is just like maybe it's just naive optimism, I guess. Mm. But by micropayments, you mean that you would just throw a couple bucks here and there to like or cents to like some artists that you listen to or something? Precisely. Yes. Yeah. Instead of this pro rata system in which there's a pool of money. Um, you you pay for use in in tiny increments. Well, I think that's something that like, it's clearly, not it's not a couple bucks. exists like with like Patreon and stuff like that. But I just don't see a hundred percent exactly. I just don't see how like Mike like uh cryptocurrency or or NFTs or any of this have any place in that market that is all of already these things dislo- are going to just become so ingrained and in the same way that credit cards you know were a very foreign concept before they they actually present a value add that i don't see how crypto or nfts do you know what i mean i think it's about the trust and the transparency that is that is afforded by a blockchain the security and 
I think we'll reach a point. How do we? That it's how do so, we? How do we so reconcile? But how do we reconcile like the massive cratering of the value of like the value of these instruments? I I a hundred percent. Don't you think that you? sort of I, suggests that it is all sort of like? A specul- you can say a specul- you can say the same thing game. about any currency. Hmm, not really. I mean. What do you mean? I mean, yeah, the 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 value of currency changes, but it's like it's it's pegged to like things like commodities or oil or or but, like but genuine. But those things like the smart contracts and like the 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 back end shit. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but that wouldn't necessarily be affected by you know changes in like the value of a cryptocurrency, though, right? Well, I mean, that's talking about the underlying technology, which is sort of my point you know i think the fluctuation issue is gonna be figured out and i i don't have an answer how but i mean you're bringing up the notion of like fiat currencies right yeah all money basically other than cryptocurrency they all fluctuate yeah they do but they fluctuate in 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 response to like how new is cryptocurrency like obviously it's fucking going all over the place because it's like 10 years old yeah but the thing is it's like it isn't you don't think in 50 years it's all gonna be i don't think no i don't i don't think it's i don't think cryptocurrency is gonna like become a stabilized alternative to fiat currencies like like the u.s dollar or the yen or the yuan no i i think it they won't exist frankly we we disagree then yeah no i think we do and like no i i mean i just think uh it's just a different it's a different sort of thing um Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of bets being placed on on either on JJ's side and on my side. I think of 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 it's this. It's funny thing. that you hold crypto and I don't hold crypto. Yeah, and that is funny. Like, I do genuinely have money in the cryptocurrency thing, even though I do think it's it's a fake and like kind of hollow financial instrument that is doomed for failure. But isn't that? I don't think those two are necessarily. No, they're not. Odds, I'm though, trying to. Can, I'm trying can, to ride. Know it's a hustle and still. Yeah, like, I'm trying to hustle the hustle, and I'm probably gonna fail and lose a lot of money. But, uh, you know, at least it, it was fun while it lasted. Well, I mean, to a much lesser degree. Or I guess with the stock market, you can actually do some research into. Oh, sorry, I wasn't speaking to the mic. No, but I think you're right. Like these things these coins they're they're not they're not founded on anything yeah even though like yeah like very like they're really founded on nothing it's all moves like the value moves on the word of like a single individual you've been seeing you know countries trying to adopt like the u.s has been working on a a on a stable coin that will be essentially the U.S. dollar. I feel like that's different though, because it's essentially just like Venmo for the country. You know what I mean? Like it's what a lot of the big countries are doing. Nothing's gonna challenge the U.S. dollar for like hegemony as the reserve currency, other than 
another uh, like the yuan <laughs> yeah exactly and it's not going to be a, it's not a cryptocurrency but the like, the yuan fluctuates far more than the dollar and yet the chinese economy yeah, the is larger and the value larger of a given than, currency are different than the value the fluctuation value of a currency that is like um specifically a financial instrument and is not used for any other purpose than speculation whereas like that's that's the bet that that fucking El Salvador made was that like this can become like a regularized tool of exchange. Which I like, think I think that was a stupid move because it's 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 uh it's not ready for that point yet. But my what I'm saying is that this will just be gradually adopted in such a way that you won't even realize that it's happening. As it has already, the quote-unquote Web3 blockchain technology has been adopted in banking, in the tech space, and it's it's not something that we're 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 really we're aware of because it's the the backbone. It's not the backbone. I don't think of much. JJ, as a MIP, I'd be remiss to not just like ask this this one question because like a little while ago when you were talking about streaming i was asking you what is like the effect on like the way music is created and 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 uh uh, and distributed based off of that i know you don't know because it hasn't happened yet but i'm curious if you could speculate what you think that will be for this future crypto world that you're explaining like how would that you think maybe how would it affect the production of music yeah i'm curious if you have any I I I don't know. I feel like I mean already there are some more experimental artists who have played with this sort of quote unquote direct consumer yeah. notion of like like personalized songs. Yeah. But also we're moving to a, a point where AI which I don't really believe in the term AI well now you and Jonah have something to agree on um it's not yeah AI is fake I mean it literally is um it's a it's a misnomer um it's a no it's a no misnomer (laughs) it's a it's a what continue this is no actually an NPR podcast. We're it's one that, yeah, yeah it's, I'm Terry Gross. We're going to do the rest of the podcast. And we're going to talk um, about gnomes tonight. To, uh, Sorry, my, my voice has gotten gradually deeper as this podcast. It's okay, it's just as you get more normal and comfortable has, with yourself. progressed. <laughs> we, um, we knew that was going to happen, and we've budgeted for it. I mean, Mac, I've, I have no idea. Um, yeah. But, you know, it's fair, and I think... More episodes of this podcast should probably include on the notion of n- us not having any idea, because uh, how could we possibly? I mean, we're, um, we're just three guys with our hands on our dicks. My I'm hand's actually uh, not on my dick right now. I'm uh, looking at you, Jonah. All right, no, I but I was talking. I was talking is. about my right hand. No, I was talking about my right hand, like. Well, my left hand's doing Mac, is not, Mac not can attest that there is 
There are three hands on three dicks, and there have been. And that's all that anyone needs to know, okay? And I told you not to tell anyone. Um, that's just simply that on that, as far as I'm concerned. Um, should so we have, have we uh, reached our our conclusion? I think we're getting down to it. I think I've I've sort of touched on. I mean, of course, I have specific points that i wrote down in my in my notes but i feel like we we had it we had a very great discussion and it's been god what time is it jesus christ don't mention it yeah we did joe rogan style podcast this time yeah and that's chill that's chill and honestly that's what oftentimes people want no i bet thank you jj honestly for coming oh thank you you. it, it was a lively discussion and i think honestly um there's another person that may be a guest here that specifically wanted to like talk shit to us about why we're wrong about things and i kind of think it's cool to like see the difference of opinion um that you guys have because like what do you think it's me no no, no i'm saying there's someone else that oh okay that, but, Wait, who is um, that person or you can't name me i can't name him yet but you can tell me after yeah i'll tell you after but uh but no i think it's good to have that because joe and i like we're of equal minds when it comes to a lot of this shit a little bit different but so it's good to get a different perspective on um, Mac holds me down and attaches car batteries to my nipples and makes me agree with him before we record every podcast. So it has been, yeah, you're right. It has been good to have a difference of opinion. And I I can't leave until I, yeah, turn over my passport and driver's license and cash to Mac every night. So. Before, before we log off, though, it is plug time. Um, so yeah. we've been trying to do this more regularly. But but wait, you all have ads now? Yeah, we're gonna read. You have to read an ad now from RX Bar. From yeah, from Power Bar, and how it makes your nipples big. I'll I'll read an ad for a uh, Bastard Jazz and and Wonder Wheel. No, no, no. We have no, you uh, can't do that. Okay, here's what you will do: is you'll tell everyone about how to like and like and subscribe on Apple Music. And I feel like I feel like you should do a plug for Bastard Jazz. and Bastard yeah, Jazz. No, well that so, too, but so. Where can people find your music? Where can people find you your can you can shit? stream like, us? Where's all the stuff? You can stream us on any platform worldwide. You can also buy our vinyl in, you know, a record store near you. Alternatively, from Bandcamp. Um, what what singles? Are, are, so we've got a, a record coming out on Bastard Jazz, uh, on Friday. Uh, this guy B Bravo, he's awesome. Um, sort of West Coast, uh, like funk. Uh, it's it's really really cool stuff. Um, and we also have this single from this Finnish band called Majo. Um, our first single with them. They're really cool. Sort of like African influenced disco house um yeah really cool stuff yeah no you guys you guys really do some interesting shit for for real totally um and for all of you guys that are coming to listen to jj because he is like the fucking man of the hour give us a like put the subscribe we'll be right in your inbox every time podcast spotify podcasts um just fucking hit that plus button you made it all the way here whatever plus button you have yeah smash it any last words fellas I have a lot, but I'm not going to mention any of them. 
Yeah, fuck you, Jonah. You're wrong about all your opinions. Correct, correct. Oh, that that's is what true. I wanted to hear. A okay. nice cordial ending to uh Good. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I think that we can we can end with that, right? Word. Absolutely. All right. So long everyone. Ciao.